You're listening to The Dropouts. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 12 of The Dropouts. My name is Morgan. And I'm Jess. And we are talking about gratitude today. Um, per usual, before we do jump into the topic, we're going to do a little housekeeping updates, answer some questions from Instagram, and I don't know what else. I think that's it. So first, I want to say thank you for everyone's patience. I know we took a week off last week, and that is because I've been crazy bananas busy with Wilson House and moving studios, and then we had our debut for the new collection. So it was a lot of shipping and logistics and people in the studio all day where I wasn't really able to record. And Jess has been very patient with me as I navigated through that. And that's also why I haven't been doing the Daily Dash. It just kind of all caught up with me. And we were going to take a week off the first week of August um, anyways. So we just kind of bumped it ahead so that I could get caught up. So that's why we took time off. I would say at this point, I'm I'm caught up with everything. Things should start to mellow out. But that's what's been going on with me is just the move and the debut. And there's just so many moving parts behind the scenes that I think um, are not talked about or transferable either through stories on Instagram or even talking about them because it would be incredibly boring, you know, just like ordering inventory or managing shipments or getting people on the schedule to come in. It's just like boring stuff like that, but it was eating up. I don't know what Jess, I was working like 14 or 16 hours a day. The last uh, couple yeah. Weeks I mean, Morgan, up. Morgan and I have, we went from talking like 24 seven for like a half a year to like barely talking at all. Cause she's been so busy and I've been busy with stuff too, but she's been very busy. And I definitely have learned some new coping mechanisms of, <laughs> because I've had some, a little bit of um, codependency there, but it's okay. We're working through it. <laughs> she is Yeah, it great. just like all, it all caught up with me in like a two-week span. And here's what I will say is Jess and I obviously talk about a lot of tools to use and mindset and all of that. And I think it's all incredibly helpful. Um, But I also recognize that there are times in people's lives where everything kind of catches up with people and you kind of, I don't want to say forget how to use those tools, but it's like so much comes at you so hard and so fast that it's like all all the spinning plates in the air kind of come crashing down and you're like, I don't even know where to pick up the pieces first. That's kind of how I felt. So if you ever feel like so overwhelmed or so um, temporarily at odds with things like it's normal you know it's just like a normal phase that we go through and it's temporary and it's just like okay so you make it through that with the tools that you're able to use in the moment and you focus on what you can control and like for me it was a lot of like I need to weed out x y and z of all these things that I cannot spend energy on right now because I I literally just didn't have enough hours in the day to be able to take that energy and put it towards like maybe the podcast or, and I did, but not to the quality that I would have wanted to stand behind. Like I could have thrown something together and been like, well, here, we're just going to put this up. But to me, that doesn't, I always want to maintain the integrity behind what I do, not just getting things done to get it done. So pouring from the saucer, right? You got to pour from the saucer. Exactly. Like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to like 
chip off oops I don't want to chip off the crusties in the cup and serve them to you guys so um yeah we're human we're relatable I just wanted to give everyone peace of mind if you're ever going through a period of time where you're just like I don't even know where to start or where to focus your energy um know that it's temporary and for me it was just like I used to do this when I was a nurse I'd be like okay Maybe you can't even fathom trying to make it through the whole day because it's so overwhelming. But what if you just made it through the next four hours? You know, what if you just focused on the next four hours of what you have to do? And then when that four hours is up, you take a break and you focus on the next four hours. And that's like kind of how I've been operating the last couple of weeks. So chunk things down into bearable bits until you're able to like open your telescope up a little bit and see more of what's around you. But in the meantime, you just break it down and you do what you can. So that's my two cents for that. Um, but yeah, I've been doing that and then kind of had some like, I wouldn't even say like personal thing, just like nothing bad, just like ebbs and flows of things I wasn't expecting to go through. And, um, so yeah, I just appreciate everyone's patience and I appreciate Jess for being super patient with me too, because I like every day I'd be like, can we do it tomorrow? Oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. And she'd be like, yeah, no, it's totally fine. <laughs> it didn't bother me at all. Cause normally I'd be like, oh, it's actually works out great. Cause I've got this or this or this going on and it was worked out perfectly. Yeah. So with that, we also pushed back, pushed back the Patreon zoom that we were going to do last week, which was, I don't know why I, th- I think I thought shipping week would be done by then. Um, but lo and behold, we were literally in the middle of shipping week when we scheduled that. So um, we pushed it back to this next Wednesday, July 27th. It's at 7 p.m. Central. So you can come to our Zoom. It's $5 a month for supporters. Um, and we basically do like a workshop every month where we talk about things like overwhelm or limiting beliefs or vision boards or stuff like that, where it just kind of gets you in the orbit of people who are like-minded and who are centered and, um, you know, can, can share their energy in a way that's beneficial. And you're around people who are also inspired to do more with their lives. So I think it just helps be around that energy. So like I said, for $5 a month, you can support Jess and I to continue to make content as well as you get access to the Patreon zoom that we do monthly. Um, I think we'll be posting a schedule, a more like concrete schedule so people can plan ahead. We've been kind of like, because of what I've been going through, we've been kind of flying by the seat of our pants the last month, but um, I promise we will get more of a rhythm and a concrete schedule for the Patreon Zoom. And we'll probably post it on our website soon so everyone can write it down on their calendar. Anyways, um, what is new with you, Jess? Anything exciting? Oh, man, I have to think back. When did we record? two weeks ago what was our last episode oh our last episode people really liked by the way i meant to tell you i've gotten lots of messages that people are like i felt so called out during this entire episode i'm giving so much control to people and yeah people really liked it i was like good it was one of my favorite ones with me because i always i will i think i screenshotted them no i I have them screenshotted and then of course i probably got distracted or knew you were like like, super busy was that a flop no people liked it people liked it i need to go and compile if people if people send us stuff um or whatever if you send us stuff i'm gonna start compiling them because um we i know we've been meaning to do that but i'm gonna gonna gather all of those screenshots or messages or whatever so we can put them together because they um yeah i don't know i i know a lot of people really like that episode but anyways um 
I don't know, it's been kind of weird transitional time for me too. I've been trying to just balance life, work through some personal stuff, work through some work stuff, work on the new business, then getting some shop stuff done and out, um, despite you know, typical Midwest weather being an absolute oh, menace humid. in my life. So humid. So oh. terrible. Um, so that's been really fun. Lots of really good um, maker mentorship um, calls are getting ready to start the month of August for that. There's one opening left, so I'm going to post Ooh. about that. Um, and yeah, I just do you, do you think you're gonna do you think you're gonna keep doing men, the mentorship after your next class of people I I would love to I think it's been a really great learning opportunity for myself obviously as well as others I know there's um, a couple that have extended through August um, that started at the beginning of when I started so it'd be three months consecutively which I think mm-hmm. has been really cool especially to like see extended growth and beyond just those four weeks. So that's been really cool. Um, but I mean, I'm, I would absolutely love to, so there's interest. I know there has been a lot of interest. A lot of people have said that they needed to wait until like they just summer just wasn't a great time. And they didn't think they could fully devote the time and mental energy to like really focusing on business and growth. And I'm like, well, you got people with where they're at. I totally support whatever timing works for people. So I do anticipate having some more people jump on the maker mentorship. Um, yeah. I think that's amazing. Probably starting I, in the fall. So yeah, I love I it. People it's been the have, coolest experience. People have been um, like, even people that message me on my Instagram who have heard about like the potential of me doing a different type of coaching, but they've said, Oh, I've been mm-hmm. working with Jess and it's been amazing. And like, I've learned all this stuff. And I just think it's so, it's amazing to, to hear people who are thriving or doing things that they never thought maybe they would be able to do because they're working with you. So I'm proud of you for that. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> Ciao. Okay. <laughs> it's become my like new like awkward i don't know how to respond because i'm an awkward person compliments well (laughs) (laughs) like like lightning mcqueen that's like um i just think well it's better than me being like meep like i don't know that's like what i it's it's interchangeable for me yeah it's like synonymous kind of i'll see both people be like what are you talking about like exactly (laughs) <laughs> it's a new language. It's our language. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that's great. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Super great. I need yeah. to learn how to take compliments better because I'm always like, thanks. Yeah. I'm like, skirt. It's like that, that, <laughs> I don't know, that gif of like <laughs> that awkward seal where it's got like seven chins and it just yes. like slides off the screen. That's like always yeah. my response. It has been for a long time and it will probably always be, to be honest, because I resonate so deeply with that seal. That There's um Yeah. There's this book that somebody told Robin told me about, which um, she follows us, but she, I know of her like from Wilson House interactions or whatever, but she told me about this book. I'm going to figure, I'm going to look back at her and I's conversation and find it, but it basically talks about how women are like, have a hard time taking compliments and also how they have a hard time talking about themselves and their accomplishments. And it, 
I don't I don't really know the whole premise of the book, but when she told me about it, it sounded super interesting. So I'm going to dig that up and find it mm. and put it in the show notes because Please I want to read that book. Yeah. But maybe, it read it. maybe we'll do that and then we'll do a synopsis podcast because I yeah, feel like that will like... be a very relatable topic to everybody, including ourselves. So we can yeah. all learn a little bit from that book and topic. Something that I've been like wanting to do, but I don't really... Okay, first of all, I want to do this, but I don't know how to do it because I've never been in a book club, so I wouldn't really know how to facilitate one. But I really want to do like a book club where it's like once a month we have a book and we don't have to read the book in a month. Like we can take two months or whatever to read the book because I know people get busy. But like I really want to do like a dropouts book club where it's like, okay, yeah, this week we're going to read this book about how it's hard to do, how how it's hard to take compliments and like all of that stuff. And that was actually something that we talked about when we first, like the podcast was first born. Like it's in my notebook. It's like, we want to do this someday. And I know obviously we've busy and I think we've been, we've been doing a good job keeping up with the podcast, I think might be a little biased you know the podcast in of itself I think we've done really well I think I think all the ancillary things that we added in the very beginning I think we both realized how much work actually how much work actually goes into the podcast Mm -hmm. itself like I know it seems like we just throw these episodes together but like truly Jess and I spend a lot of time researching whatever topic brainstorming topics um, we have like a syllabus on our Google Drive, like a literal, it's called syllabus, like syllabus, sort of yep, we thought literally. It would keep it themed, but it's like, yeah. you know, all of our plans and notes and like Instagram posts and all this stuff. It's just like, I think the podcast in, of, in and of itself is very timely, which I'm not complaining. I'm just, yeah, I'm I think it's all fast. good time, but it definitely is still time. And until right. you like real, like I, I knew podcast took time but it didn't really fully conceptualize and there's still both like two of us that we kind of split like she does a lot of like the audio stuff I do more like the reels and other stuff we try to balance it out so I can't even imagine just doing it all like a podcast by yourself without any help like that sounds hard but yeah well it takes a lot of time time every week and planning and Um, brainstorming and stuff so I think like when we were in our naive stage about podcasting we're like we could do this and this and this and this we could do like four zooms a month and I was like oh never mind no that's like way too much unless we were (laughs) like unless it was our full-time job where we could really like commit where it's like yeah we both make like a livable wage doing this and of course we could spend the time to do that but oh yeah and that would be so cool and the patreon helps that yeah yeah the patreon well yeah yeah. and like every patreon but it is five dollars a month and it does support Jess and I does really really help us continue to make content and continue to offer things like eventually down the road like maybe a book club where we could be doing something like that um also in the patreon um what we did add which is something that's like feasible for us to do is everybody who's in the patreon once a month at the very end of the month we're gonna draw um a winner like a random winner from everyone in the patreon membership and one person will win like a prize every month um and so that's just like a something that's like a fun token of our gratitude to everyone that's in the podcast um, Patreon. So that's that's something to look forward to too. Is we'll be doing that in the next couple of weeks with or the next week, I guess, with the current group. Uh, is there anything else that you had going no. on that you wanted to update? No. no. Wilson um, House. The only oh yeah, the only other thing that I will add before we jump into some questions from Instagram is. Um, as I talked about already, you guys know that we did our Wilson House debut with the rebranding. I used to be Wilson Candle Co. and switched over to Wilson House, which was a big transformation. And, um, you know, I think like there's a misconception too with branding. 
um, especially when you're a small business that you like hire out a bunch of other people to do your branding and your, um, you know, brochures and the boxes and all the stuff that I have. And it's like, I'm not saying this to be braggadocious. I'm saying it to be like, you know, I designed everything. Even the brochures that I have put together, I sat on Adobe for hours and designed. So I'm like very, very proud of everything that I put out because it truly is an extension of what my vision in my in my noggin is for this company. You know, like it's my exact vision come to paper, come to life, come to product, come to labels, come to shipping, you know, like the entire experience is really such a custom thing that I created and I wanted to make for people. And for everyone that's received their package so far, I've been starting to get messages on Instagram saying like, you weren't kidding when you said you were creating an experience for people to open these packages. And it's been like, so exciting for me to hear that feedback. Cause it's like exactly the last, like what, four months that I've been planning this. It's like, I want people to have an experience opening it. Somebody was like, it's like the Cartier of candles. And I was just like, Oh, that's like such a compliment. That is um, amazing. I know. I love that. I like, it's like, that's what we were wanting. That's what we were going for. You like, get it. <laughs> I feel like that could just like be my one and only testimony I put anywhere. <laughs> so somebody said it's the Cartier of Candles. Literally, it like, needs to go on your website. Yep. I was just like, that is, that's what I want. That's what I wanted. Because so yes, 30% of the profit goes back to Animal Rescue. But I also want to serve the customer in a way that's just so, so profound and so like, holy shit, when they open the box. Oh, and I forgot to mention this. So I know I talked about earlier, like in one episode, how Katherine Heigl had like shared it, but she also ordered some candles and so did her mom. And so like last yesterday, I, I was packaging her candles and I sent her one of your shirts just to, I was like, I don't know what size she is, but I like held it up. I was like, oh. but I mean, like, what stop a weird... it. <laughs> That's so it cool. Just, this and originated saying... in my basement and now yes. Katherine Heigl might be wearing it. Okay. Hold on. Just a second. Give so me a minute. Funny. But it's just like so surreal, and I'm dying them on the driveway. Okay. She like, yeah, she sent me a picture of them because we like. Uh, Jess, Jess is the one that acid washed all the shirts. By the way, like Jess made all the. Um, that was a learning experience. Um, yes but she did a great job so like she she never acid washed I don't think anything before so she was just like mm-hmm. what dove right in with like uh 20 shirts and was just like here we go I was um, like it's better no, they, all, I don't know, they turned time. out great <laughs> and so, I think it anyways, turned out well yeah yeah um so with that being said I still have inventory left because I kind of dropped the ball on putting more TikToks up and promoting it because uh I just did literally not have the the bandwidth of time to be able to do that. But um, Wilson House 15 will get you 15% off orders of $50 or more. I still have about a third of the inventory left before we sold out. And how I operate is that I sell out of my entire inventory and then I donate the proceeds to Animal Rescue. So um, $5,000 is the goal for this collection to be able to donate. It'll be going to Saving Sully and Valentine's Second Chance. And then I think with the next rotation, I'll start putting in um, new rescues as well but those are my go-to rescues um valentine second chances where we got lewis from she's out of missouri she started a nonprofit and she actually just left her job to pursue it full-time and so she she like puts her whole heart and soul into um pulling dogs off of uh death row in missouri which is a unfortunately an area of the country where there's a lot of kill shelters. Um, last year, one of our donations, she was able to pull, um, I think it ended up being 13 dogs 
um, off of the euthanasia list the day that they were scheduled to be put down. And that was because of the donations that we were able to give to her. So I'm what I'm saying to you guys is that it's more than just donating to these rescues. It's literally saving animals' lives when we are able to give money. Like truly saving lives and then giving them a quality of life after the fact. Um, and that's just like one example. That's just like from one donation that we were able to give her. And so that's one of the rescues. And then Saving Sully is one that's local to me in Appleton. They're out of Oshkosh, I believe, but they take dogs from Texas who are in really poor shape, also on death row, bring them up to Wisconsin so they can have their second chance. So that's the last thing I'll say about Wilson House today is that I still have inventory left. If you guys are interested, it would mean the world to me to get some orders from from you guys and to be able to share Wilson House experience and also uh, finish raising the funds for animal rescue because it is very important work. Um, but with that, I hope you know that all of my friends know and have experienced Wilson Candle Co. because I'll bring one whenever I go somewhere, mostly also so I can start like um, going through my hoarding of your candles so I can be allowed Dude. to buy more. Yeah, um, well, but I took I one, I've on taken probation. one. <laughs> yes, I'm, <up> <laughs> I'm in timeout. I still have like, having someone literally like five boxes because I haven't been able to see you lately, but I have like, <laughs> you bought a stupid amount of candles last two collections. <laughs> and I have like, like literally like four boxes of candles that I have set aside for you. So just saying, just saying. <laughs> It's fine. So yeah, I told Jess if she bought any, I would just refund her immediately. Like I would not. <laughs> I've been over here. Accepting. I've been over here moping a little bit, but it's okay. It's fine. I'm, I'm okay. Uh, I'm moving vicariously me. through you guys. You're gonna go buy some candles so I can move vicariously through you because I'm in timeout. <laughs> That's really. I love it though. I appreciate <laughs> me you. too. I appreciate you. Um, we have questions from Instagram that I thought would be fun to answer. Yes. Um, yes. Well, this first one, I think you have some good insight on. So do you have any marketing tips? This is from Brittany Schofer. Um, do you have any marketing tips? I'm having a hard time getting the ball rolling on sales. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I feel I like have, you have some good have insight on this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> like- <laughs> well, what I would say is um, – First and foremost, what I want everyone in a small business, well, any business really to understand is you're not selling your product, you're selling an experience. And what I mean by that is say you're, say you're like, I'm just going to use this as an example. Say you make like homemade lip gloss or something. I'm, I don't know where that came from, but you make homemade lip gloss and it's like all organic and it's gorgeous and these people, yeah, like, and people love it, right? You're, yes, you're selling the lip gloss, but why are people buying from you? Like they're buying from you for a reason because they could go to Walgreens or Sephora or Ulta and buy, you know, there's like a bajillion different lip glosses to buy. So why are they buying from you? It's because you're selling them some sort of experience that they can't get at a general store. And so a recognize that you're selling an experience to people, whatever that means. That's, um, you know, whether it's the packaging or whether it's because it's all organic and you, and you show all these videos of you making these like beautiful, um, labels and putting them on yourself because it's small business because whatever. But along with that goes, you're selling an experience, but you're also selling a story. What's your story? 
are you a single mom working out of your apartment trying to make ends meet and this is what gets you through? Is it that you, like Wilson House, are super passionate about animal rescue and that is your main mission is to give back? Is it that you support veterans who are homeless and so that you have a product that has something to do with giving back to veterans? Or um, is it that you are a, I don't know, like non-traditional couple raising a family who, I don't know, there's like a million different things. My point is this, you have a story that's relatable to somebody else. So get really good at telling your story. What's your story? Why should people buy from you? What's the experience going to be because they bought from you instead of somewhere else? And also knowing that every single person who comes to you, like, and is your customer, that I hope you show great, great gratitude for every single order that does come through. Because I think what happens is a lot of people get caught up in the end result of like, well, I want to make $100,000 a year in sales. Yes, that's amazing. But it starts with $5 of sales. And if you're not grateful for the $5 of sales, you're not going to be grateful for the $100,000 of sales. So you have to be very, very, and that ties in with our episode today. And I think it'll tie in with Mm -hmm. our episode that we're going to do next week. But I know this is a long, long-winded answer, but I always say this on the Daily Dash when I film it or record it, but um, have gratitude for where you are and inspiration and where you want to be, meaning have the gratitude for every single step of the process because it's going to get you to your bigger picture, but you have to relish in the most beautiful small moments and celebrate the small victories along the way. So to reiterate, what are you selling? You're not exp- you're not selling the product. You're selling an experience of the product. Why are people buying from you? It's because they're related. It's you're offering something that's relatable to them, and also be being grateful for the sales along the way. Um, that's all marketing is. When people say marketing is anything more, no. That's why they had they have advertising agencies because they're selling a story. There, there's entire teams of people that formulate a story around a product. Like think of ClearCell, like, you know, like ClearCell and like, like the, uh, eighties, nineties, early aughts, it was like selling clear skin so that the girl could go on her first date. Like that was truly like their whole marketing campaign was like, they're selling the experience of being able to go on a date without self-consciousness of their skin. And that's just an, ex- that's one example of like a bajillion, you know, like, um, you know, think of like during COVID, what was Lysol? I mean, Lysol didn't really have to sell. It, it kind of sold itself because of the pandemic, but it's like it sold safety to people. That was the experience that they sold, that in your home, if you used Lysol, you would be safe. Right? So like think think of those like big brands that have marketing and all they're doing is selling a story. So you just put that on a micro level and you say, what makes me special? Because there is something. It makes you relatable. And you sell that. And you sell your product through the experience. I know that was a really long answer. Sorry about that. That was a good answer. And I think because it, it, it can be so overwhelming. Well, it's something that we talk about a lot with my maker mentorship. And I use you as an example, like your TikTok and everything. And I know even for me, like I find myself overwhelmed, not from the woodworking aspect, because I'm not really interested in growing my woodworking page, like actively growing it. That's why I haven't really, I don't post, you know, once a day. Um, or whatever they, whatever they say is like what you're supposed to do. So, but like with, with building this new business, like it is kind of overwhelming to think about like starting kind of from scratch. I mean, I know I have like Mm -hmm. people on my woodworking page that I think will support 
my new business, but, um, it is very overwhelming. And I, like you said, like sometimes just starting, like just focus on, um, like selling one thing or two things and not, not focusing on, it's just, I see it as very overwhelming personally. And I think, I mean, even just from talking to some of the people in the maker mentorship, they, they also feel the same. Um, so just, you know, breaking it down like that, but also, and I know you've told me this, but social media, you know, love it or hate it is, is huge in terms of marketing. It is free. You have access literally to billions of people and to really no cost except for your time of putting something together to post it. And you really don't necessarily have to be putting in crazy hours making this content. And I know, I think maybe, I don't know if you sent me the reel or if I sent it to you. I think maybe you sent it to me, but it was um, someone that, I know this is like kind of deviating from the question, but they said like, don't focus on creating content, just focus on documenting the things you're already doing. And that's something I always like kind of Gary V. Yeah. And the way he said it was just like, it clicked with me because it's something I've always like kind of preached, but the way that he said it, I think really clicked. I sent it to all of the people in the maker mentorship. I was like, this is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Like, don't like going and like doing the whole like content creator thing. I I hate that term. And I understand you're creating content or you're putting together content, but you shouldn't be going out of your way to create content. Cause not only is that going to draw in people that aren't going to follow you for the right reason, like you want to be putting out the things you're already doing and attracting your customers and the people that want to support you for what you're actually doing. Cause the second that you're going out of your way to create something that you weren't already going to do, but you're doing it just from a sole purpose to create content to post. I mean, what do you expect? You feel like people are going to see through that and see who you are because they're, they're seeing what you're putting out there and you're, I don't know. I think it's kind of like a false sense of, I just don't like it. It's not, it seems inauthentic to me and it's draining and I won't go further on my soapbox because I will bitch about it for a long time, how I feel about those kinds of people. I mean, they're doing whatever's working for them. I don't think it's a sustainable thing and I don't agree with it. Um, but anyways, I think you have access to so many people on social media. You really do. And like more so than ever before. And it's free and you can get in front of the eyes. I mean, look at you, you, your TikTok, you've said is like pretty much, I think you'd be still be where you're at. I mean, you're, cause I believe in you and your business, but it has helped you get to where you're at and be able to do this full time and have the sales that you do. Yeah. Like what I want, what I want to expand on that is I'm not joking when I said TikTok allowed me to quit my nursing job. Like TikTok allowed me to quit my nursing job. And it's not because of the money I make from TikTok. I really make like pennies on the dollar for, you know, every video that I post, but the people that I have been able to market to because of TikTok, my text, I would also say if you can afford a text club, get a text club because every time that I have a collection, I send out one text and I get probably over half my sales from my text club. But um, you are putting your content in front of people that you would have never otherwise had access to. And like just said, like there are literally billions of people on TikTok billions of people and you know what happens is if you hit the algorithm right you're going to show up on people's page and they're going to be like what's that about and and when you get really specific about your niche it's going to show up on the right people's page so for me animal rescue it shows up on a lot of people who like animal rescue stuff like whether it's dogs or cats 
I happen to show up on their algorithm on their for you page because I talk about animal rescue a lot. And so I pop up on there and it resonates with them. It's imperative that you use social media. I'm not saying you have to post every day. I start, I post when I have collections. I don't post every single day. I don't have enough content right now that I have, you know, but like Jess said, Gary V, he said, you don't have to make content. You be content. You are content. So if you're sitting there, at, I don't know what Brittany Schofer's, I don't know if she does woodworking or jewelry making or what she does. I'm going to assume woodworking. But um, so if you're sitting there and you are using your jigsaw, you put your phone on a tripod and you film that. And now you're using your scroll saw. You put your phone on a tripod and you film that. If you're painting something, you put your phone on a tripod and you film that. Um, you're on your computer doing back office work, you film that, and then you make a compilation of what it takes to run a small business. And you put that out there and say like, this is why you should support me is because I do all of this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I a hundred percent agree with all that. And it's something I'm working on too, is like not necessarily thinking I have to reinvent the wheel with content. And I think that's a struggle that we are all going through is like you see people who do spend time literally creating content like whether it's like the golden hour and the sun's coming in just right and they're putting labels on their candles it's like that's not realistic listen I'm like putting (laughs) labels on my candles all day long like I'm not just waiting for the golden hour and the beautiful sunlight to come in to like label my candles it makes no sense but like I could see why that catches people's attention because it's aesthetically appealing but what they have found is it's actually when you market things from an authentic point of view with your mm-hmm. phone, they find that that's actually more, um, the reaction to that is stronger than if you have these like gorgeously aesthetic appealing things, because then you're starting to look like an advertising agency and that's not what you are. You're you, right? Yes. So like film authentic content and film yes. it with your phone. You don't have to get like your fancy stuff out. You know, like Jess and I talk about this account on um, Instagram a lot and I love crumble cookie. It works because they're corporate. Yes. If you look at their, um, go to their page, they have these like gorgeous, like cinematog- cinema- cinematography, 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 cinematography. Okay. Cinematography. Ka-chow. I think my brain cells are popping. <laughs> cinema- cinematic. Jesus. Oh, no. Is it cinematic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, my God. I swear Jess and I are intelligent. Okay. They have these, like, beautiful... They have these beautiful cinematic videos that they put together of their cookies, right? And their cookies. They have, like, crumbles going everywhere and these, like, beautiful stuff whatever in the background. They're gorgeous, right? And, like, Jess and I send them to each other all the the time. They're just cookies. We're like, this is marketing, like, gone Mm -hmm. right. But it works for them because they're corporate, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think I could make candle videos like that and have it fly the way it does for Crumble because I'm not a franchise. Like, it would just be looked at, like, I paid somebody else to do that kind of marketing. Yeah, and And I think, I mean, like, I think it is, like, Yes, does it sell things? Does it catch people's eyes? Yes, because I love the cinematic stuff. I will, whether yeah. they're corporate or a small business owner, like I know some woodworkers that do really cool stuff. Like it catches my eye because I have a very aesthetic, like I, I love aesthetics. Like it, it literally gives me like happy neurotransmitters, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But um, when you're when you're a small business owner or you're a woodworker, you 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 are the business. Mm-hmm. Show yeah. you, show you. And I talked about this. I had like a mini soapbox on my stories not too long ago because I was like, I shared a message that someone sent me about like 
you share like all about your life and you do like, it's like great, like content, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, cause a lot of people think that they can only share woodworking stuff on here. And I'm sure some people are there for my woodworking, but like, you're going to get way more than just my woodworking. Cause one, I overshare Two, I think like it makes me a lot more relatable because people see that I am also a human and I do things other than woodworking. And yes, I haven't shown a lot of my woodworking stuff because when I've been in the shop, I'm like mentally in the shop and my phone is put away. And that's how I'm choosing to do it. Cause I don't, again, I'm not trying to like grow my woodworking right now. Um, but I'm like, you guys just like, people want to get to know you. They want to see authentic you, you are your woodworking business. You are your whatever business, like you aren't this, you're not working. This isn't like a corporate business. Like you said, like crumble cookie, like you can like, just, just film with your phone, just like show you. And like, that is how people are going to relate to you. Like just the more that you do it, the easier it gets. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Mm -hmm. if you, you feel like you're trying really, really hard to like, like I, it shouldn't be as hard as I, and overwhelming as I think it seems to people. Like, if it's really hard and overwhelming, like, posting and, like, whatever contents, like, you're probably, like, trying too hard. Just, like, film it and put it up. Like, it doesn't have to be perfect. Be a C-plus student, right? Like, just show up. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you'll be – and a lot of – almost every single person in my maker mentorship has done that. Like, we set, we set like, you know, goals for the week or whatever every time we talk. And, like, a lot of them are kind of hesitant at the beginning to, like, just post a reel or this or that. And they post – and one of the things is, like – put your face on your stories every day, like just once. It doesn't have to be about woodworking. It doesn't have to be about whatever. And they're like, it is insane how many people will just respond. Like they care about that I'm working out or they care that I'm going out and spending a weekend with my kids and I'm not in the shop. Like, I'm like, yes, that's what I'm telling you. Like people, like I would not be where I'm at if I didn't show those things. Yes. Like they want, and like, you'll see there's so many people out there that are relatable. I have so many friends out there that I met because we relate on things other than just the woodworking like it's it's absolutely beautiful to be honest and I'm like just try it and I promise you will see growth you will see building relationships with people and every single one of them has said that and I'm like I know it seems uncomfortable at first and you do it and then then it just becomes and I actually it's one more thing think about it exactly I've seen like some of the things that came up from a year ago like stories that I did and I was like so awkward and hesitant. I was like, it was when I first started like actually putting things on my stories, like my face and stuff, which I think is so funny. Cause I looked back and I was like, Oh my God, who is that? Like she looks like she's <laughs> being held at gunpoint right now. <laughs> but so I, well, it gets and easier and I think it doesn't, it, it shouldn't does. be so difficult. No. And um, I know we've been talking about this question for a long time, but like when I started on Fox and Finn, which was my sign making woodworking page, Um, I just saw that's what people that I admired were doing. And I was like, well, if they're doing it, then I'm, I'm just going to follow what they do. Like, I'm going to put myself on my stories. And I think I grew, okay, not that I ever had like a huge, huge following, but like, I only did it for like a year or so. And, you know, like the people that I grew like a decent account for, you know, also working full-time as a nurse and all this other stuff but it's like I put myself on my stories all the time and that's how Mm -hmm. I made connections with people so you have to like 100% put your face on your stories you have to you have to you have to have to have to like no ifs ands or buts people want to get to know you because they want to know who Mm -hmm. they're buying from so if you're posting generic Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, if you're just yep. posting like what you do, it's like, well, who made it? Who's behind that? Yeah, I'm know. like, I'm like, who? I'm like, do you? Would you buy a fifteen hundred dollar sign from someone you had no idea who they were or anything about them? Right. And you're like, I'm just gonna send them fifteen hundred dollars and like just I don't know, kind of hope for the best. Like, no, I would never do that. But and I was like, just just try it. And every single one yeah, of them said so. Yes. so if you're out there, this is your sign to just because people care. The people are like, well, I don't think people are gonna care about what I'm doing then they can click out shop exactly exactly and i was like yeah exactly and i think it's yeah just just and if you have there's probably limiting beliefs there let's work through them and move on you know um um here's this here's a question that i think would be really great for jess to answer and i know she's i know you've talked about this before um, but I think it's good to bring up again is, um, Katie Boyd designs asked, what do you ladies do for med insurance after quitting your job job? Um, I will say that yes. I am on Adam's health insurance, but Jess is a single independent lady. So she, what do you do Jess? Because this is really helpful Boo. for people. Yes. Wanting to- <laughs> Actually. Yes. So I, I, I did think I messaged her when I saw her that pop up just so she had okay. it, but I, um, but for anybody else, I know I've talked about my woodworking page and I know, a lot of people have said like that's kind of the reason they're still at their job which I mean I understand having health insurance is like huge and for a long time I kind of waited to get my own because I didn't know if I was going to go back into healthcare. and then I realized obviously like that's not going to happen um for sorry, various Dad. reasons sorry <laughs> sorry mom she really really wants me to go sorry not happening um I would rather literally <laughs> do anything else oh and so do my dogs <laughs> they don't want me to go back um <laughs> but there's actually a doctor that reached out to me through Instagram, um, Dr. Noor, N-O-O-R, and I can like link her profile in the show notes, but she reached out and it was kind of funny because I was just thinking about, I'm like, okay, well, I'm really tempting fate here because I keep going and doing things that I, I'm going to get hurt at one point. I don't have health insurance. I need to figure it out, but I knew it was going to be expensive or whatever, and I was just kind of obviously putting it off, and um, she reached out and she's like, I... Like I work with insurance. I use like I'm a doctor. I basically she promotes um, like she works with like small business owners and like women business owners. I mean, it doesn't have to just be a woman, obviously, but she's like very much like a girl boss like this. That. And I was like, oh, cool, cool. So you, I set up like a 15 minute phone call with her um, and to kind of give her like just general background about me and like the thing like what I was needing, basically. And then we ended up scheduling a Zoom call where she went, she basically had like a whole like PowerPoint, like every, like she had all the details, answered all my questions. And when I tell you I worked in healthcare, right? We both worked in healthcare. This insurance is like better, exponentially better than any healthcare insurance I ever got working at a freaking hospital. I was like, this is bullshit, bullshit. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad I have it, obviously. And I, it was such a quick process. I think they approved me in like a couple hours and then like, and then it was active the next day or whatever. So um, yeah. And like, if you're not in the area that Jess is in, I'm, I guarantee that if you reach out to Dr. Noor, she probably has a network of other doctors that she could, I would imagine like she could probably. Oh yeah. It's, she does nationwide. She does nationwide. Oh, she does. And okay, what's really perfect. cool is like, it's the only, it's a PPO plan and I won't go into like crazy, crazy details. Jesus Christ. Um, but it's a PPO plan and it's one of the, it's like the only plan that, okay, we've got Sadie puppy here. So she's, she's still learning her inside voice. Um, but it is a, (laughs) 
a plan that I'm locked in at this rate. Like it won't go up and it won't whatever until I'm 65. So that's pretty cool to me because I know like that was one of the things I had read about and it works anywhere. So if I travel, like it's a PPO plan. So it doesn't, it's not like an only like local thing, which was one of the healthcare places I worked at was like that. So anything else was out of network and I was basically fucked. So that's been pretty cool. Cause I was like, well, if I'm somewhere else, I want to be covered because mm-hmm. <laughs> I know myself and I know I've been tempting fate. I'm going to break an arm or something, doing something crazy. Um, but yeah, so she got me all set up through it. I got vision and dental added on, like I'm all set and she is like basically with you the entire length of the plan so she'll like she handles like filing any claims whatever like she does all of it and she's so cool and it's really affordable so affordable i was like are you sure and one of the cool things too is i'll mention real quick is like you get you know certain amounts to go get your general checkup or whatever you know like you get with any healthcare and any any insurance really like you get your annuals whatever so say you go and the insurance, like the insurance premium, whatever covers whatever. And then the out of pocket covers however much and say like they give you 200 bucks to cover the over, like that's like the allotted amount, but the out of pocket that wasn't covered by the insurance like deal, you know, that they make was like 80 bucks. You get a check for the rest of that in the mail. Like you get that kickback because normally the employer will take that kickback, the one that you're, you know, have insurance through. So I don't know, there's lots of perks. And there's also like other perks for small business owners included, like when it's it's through United Healthcare. Anyways, um, she, if I will put it in the show notes, she said that anyone, I know she got kind of like busy and booked up, but she said that if people messaged her to get set up or whatever and said that I referred them, that she would like bump them to the top of the list. So if anyone is looking to do that, whatever let her know i sent you she's super cool super helpful very smart and knowledgeable and don't stay with your shitty job just for health insurance because there are other options and i i will answer other questions if you guys have them or she will she's really she knows all the answers so yeah there's that um yeah that's great yeah I'm just have another question real quick. I know mine might just make this a second or separate episode at this point. Um, Tabby from Winnebago Woods asked, how do you know when something is worth pursuing or knowing when to walk away? And I feel like maybe you might have some good insight on that. Um, you know that something is worth pursuing because you can tell it's worth pursuing. It's something that you genuinely want to do and that you decide it's worth pursuing. Um I think we let so many external factors get in the way and um, influence our decision-making, even though you know something's right or wrong for you. And what I tell people all the time is you have to get quiet with yourself and ask yourself, is this a genuine desire? If it's something you're doing for somebody else or just to make money or something along the lines of the intention behind it isn't sincere, then no, you shouldn't be doing it. But if it's something that you really feel pulled to be doing, like I know right now for candle making, like if somebody told me, if somebody told me anything, I'd be like, well, tough. Like this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Like it's what I'm doing. I have decided it's worth my time. I have decided it's worth my energy, effort, concentration, everything. Um, it's when you let other people start to influence what you're doing that you start to question it is truly what it boils down to. It's when you let other people who don't know all the details 
start to question your intentions or start to question, is that really going to work? And that's when you let um, self-doubt, fear, and all of those ego things step into that space that start to talk you out of it, that you start to question if something's worth pursuing or when to walk away. Um, The end of the day, your intuition, you already know, like this, I'd say this all the time with people. When you get quiet with yourself, you already have the answers. You already know, you already know. And if you are truly unsure, but you think it's something you want to explore, then just follow your curiosity. I mean, it's never going to hurt to follow your curiosity. I guess that's my yep. very summarized version of that. I don't know if you have anything to add, but we yeah, already know. Because you can always pivot. Yeah, we already know. Yeah. And I think it's it's really important to remind yourself that like, like, and we preach this a lot, follow your curiosity. And if you need to, you can pivot. You can, yeah. you know, obviously get really real with yourself and make sure you're doing that from the right you know, from the right standpoint, I guess, not because of someone else, but because it, you know, genuinely isn't fulfilling you or whatever it may be. I know this is kind of relatable to me because for a little bit, I was kind of hesitant with new business venture opportunities because, um, like I had mentioned it kind of briefly to a few people. It was, then it was kind of been on the down low for various reasons, but I mentioned it to them and they were like, Oh, okay, well, but you know, aren't there other people that do that? Or how do you like, I mean, what, what makes it so special? And I got like, it took it a little, not necessarily personally, but it kind of got in my head a little bit. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. well, I mean, they're not wrong, but, and Morgan and I say this a lot. It's like, well, no one's going to do it the way you do it. And I know I can make it great. I know I can make a lot of things great if I really tried. And so can a lot of people. So can anyone really, if you really, if it's really fulfilling to you, I truly believe that most people, I mean, you could sell or do anything really if you really wanted to. And I was like, you know what? I'm committing. I know I've been in kind of like a weird transitional um, headspace lately regarding that and just other things in my life. But I know that at the end of the day, it's up to me and I have, and I know that it's something that I want to do. And if people, and that's also the thing too, I understand, you have to understand that chances are no matter how however you describe it, like however I described it to them, like they're not going to see the full vision I have in my head. I don't have that vision don't know what you know. laid out yet. Yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. and, and that, and that, I think once I really reminded myself of that, I'm like, well, they don't see what I see in my head. They'll see it when I'm, when I get it all put together and it's all like, you know, physically there for people to see. And obviously there's a lot of work that's going to go into that, but they don't have that vision that I have. And that's, I think the key point there, it's like, well, that's why I'm doing it and not you. So, I mean, you can do it if you want, but that my vision is my vision. I'm going to do it the way I see my vision. So, yeah. And what I, what I'll quickly add on is that, um, you make a decision to do it. You make a decision and then you commit and then it's everything else that we've been talking about, right. Is you make the decision because you know, inwardly like that's what you truly is that's what you're being called to do in this moment you make the decision and then you find your grit when you have to and you let things flow when you need to and um what I want everyone to do like seriously go watch this documentary on Netflix because it's like if you ever doubt anything that you do go watch um 14 peaks it's like mission impossible 14 peaks on Netflix watch watch that man and tell me that anything that you want to do is impossible because he literally go watch just, I'm not even going to spoil it. Go watch the documentary like on a rainy night when you have time or, you know, in one of the evenings, because it's so phenomenal. I've watched it twice. And every time I take something new away from it, because 
he made a decision. He found the support and then he dug his heels in and had tenacity like no other. And everybody told him it was impossible. Every single person told him it was impossible. And he was like, you know what? That's why I'm going to do it. So watch that show because it's it's really, really, really good. And it's really inspiring. So that's my suggestion. That's my homework for everybody is go watch 14 Peaks on Netflix. And that really will um, – I don't care if you're like an outdoorsy person or not. I think it really does translate to everybody no matter what you're into. It's just so inspiring. Um, with that being said, let's jump into – our topic today, which is gratitude. Um, just like I already said, I end all of my daily dash episodes with, with reminding people to find the things that you're grateful for already in your life, because it's only when we start to find gratitude in where we are, that we can be moving forward in any capacity. I truly believe that. I truly believe that finding things to be grateful for, even in moments of difficulty, Finding gratitude will get you through a hundred percent. I will let Jess start on what I, she has more. Do you have science today? Do you have science? I, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So she's got science stuff that will explain why gratitude yes. is important. Um, I have a little bit of science and more just like my usual babble, yeah. but um, I'll let her take the reins first and talk about so, her stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Um... I actually re-listened to this podcast earlier today. I listened to it when I was driving to get Sadie, the 10-hour drive. Um, I think you recommended it or you mentioned it existed. There's a podcast called The Huberman Lab. Um, Dr. Huberman is, I think he's a neuroscientist or something. He's incredibly intelligent, always has some really cool um, podcasts. And there's one on the science of gratitude and how to build a gratitude practice. And I won't go into like all of the all of the science I think you guys would be better off listening to his like the way he does it I mean he's obviously extremely qualified to talk about it but I will touch on that and some other things um and I will also preface this with saying I know when I first heard of gratitude like gratitude journals and this and that I was like my stupid whatever like I was very much like a skeptic I was like this sounds really dumb and actually one of the things that I um, started doing, I don't know, maybe it was after I started making. So it's been within the last, like, I guess almost two years now. Um, Renee Wagner, another woodworker, she does what she calls a joyful journal. And she was basically kind of a skeptical in the sense that she's like, I don't really agree. Or like, she's like, I don't really like writing down things like, you know, things that I'm grateful for. Like I'm grateful for a house over my head. And well, obviously like it is good to have gratitude for some of those things, just the actual practice of writing those things down was just not her thing and definitely was not my thing. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll try this joyful journal, which I now realize was in a sense, you know, I wouldn't even, and I'll talk about, he talked about how like that isn't actually a very efficient way to practice gratitude, like writing things down. Like we all kind of hear about like gratitude journals, but regardless, I wrote down things that made me happy from the day before. And I think it actually, it had different effects, not necessarily from a gratitude standpoint, but anyways, they, one of the things that I think was like, again, you guys need to go listen to this podcast of his. It's really, really cool. And I know I'm, I'm a super nerd about some of these things, neuroscience, but um, there is a lot of research and a lot of science backing gratitude and how practicing gratitude 
lots of really good effects, but some of them being it ultimately builds resilience to past and future trauma in a reframing way, which I know we talk about reframing all the time. But there's science showing that it increases, I mean, obviously neurotransmitters like serotonin, dopamine, um, other regions in the brain, just overall affects you and your pro-social behaviors um, and relationships with others, which I never really, lots of very interesting things I learned in this podcast and other research I did, um, but didn't really realize how much it truly affected not just you and your mindset, but how you interact with others, which I guess makes kind of sense, but I just never really tied the two together very much. But there, he mentioned this term, which I kind of heard before, but didn't really know much about it or really understand how it played into gratitude, but it's called pro-social behavior. Pro-social behavior is, in, in terms of how it works with gratitude, gratitude motivates individuals to engage in pro-social behaviors to reciprocate the assistance they receive from others. So it's basically, I don't know, I guess it kind of like, if you break down the word pro-social, um, pro-social behavior is mediated by gratitude practice. It motivates them to do these things. It literally lights up neural circuits in your brain. And they've obviously done lots of research and see these things light up in their brain with, you know, fMRIs and all of those things. And um, I think it's obviously very cool. But they, he was talking about how pro-social circuits actually antagonize the negative defensive circuits in our brain. Like we talk about all the time, things that keep us comfortable, keep us safe, the things that are wired in our brain to keep us in those places, whether it be good or bad, the pro-social circuits kind of balance those out. It's like a parallel pathway, which a lot of neuropsychology is. But he's talking about how gratitude and focusing on these different experiences in this different mindset of gratitude, you're really, what you're doing is you're enhancing the detail drawn from those experiences. You're really focusing on the detail of these experiences. And again, there's a lot of science behind it. I'm not going to go super into it because I'm not going to say it the way he did. And <laughs> I'm not a neuroscientist, but I think it's, it's really cool. How, how he was talking about it, there's like the defense and the pro-social pathways in your brain. And they're actually asymmetrical because the defense defense mechanisms in your brain, the circuits that keep you in that comfortable mindset um, are much more robust. So you have to kind of put the work in. You have to put work in to have gratitude. And again, when I, when I hear gratitude, I think of gratitude journals, like immediately. That's what I think of. And I always kind of get the ick because I don't really like that. I don't really like sitting down and be like, I'm grateful for food on the table, which obviously I am. But like that whole process has never really been beneficial to me. So I've never really um, done it. But anyways, he was, he was talking about how the actual, like I said, the, the journal of like writing things that you're grateful for isn't very effective. I mean, is it hurting anybody? No, but it's not necessarily the most effective way to like to feel gratitude. Um, and a lot of it comes down to, and like I said, I'm not going to go into all the specifics of the science. If you want to listen to this podcast, I can link it in the show notes as well. But um, it really comes down to those circuits being lit up in the prefrontal cortex and actually one of the most potent forms is not giving or expressing gratitude, but receiving gratitude, which at first I heard that and I was like, what? <laughs> I 
Like, that sounds yeah. kind of weird. I don't know. I mean, like, I get it, but it's like, well, that doesn't really help, right? So you're not going to, like, sit and wait to receive gratitude. So, like, how do you do this? They talked about how they're – while writing just things that you're grateful for down isn't necessarily super effective. Um, what you're looking for is a shift in what's called – uh, your autonomic nervous system, specifically your sympathetic nervous system, having that heightened will heighten your your experience with whatever gratitude practice. So he was talking about how, like, I guess people like sick, like hyperventilated breathing before meditating or like writing things down that you're grateful for, which I didn't really Tony think Robbins about. Does that? Yeah, where you like it's like what twenty thirty breaths where you kind of like breathe quickly and heavily he calls it priming that's just what that made me think yes. of. if you ever want to watch uh, tony robbins he does like a whole video on youtube about priming that's just literally what popped in my head that's he so does, cool like, a, i didn't know he did that. yes <laughs> like right like before he starts to meditate yes. anyways sorry no that's really cool actually right i didn't now. know he did that because i i'd kind of heard it before but not in a sense of like in and i guess in this sense but Basically, like there's with the autonomic nervous system real quick, there's a sympathetic and the parasympathetic fight or flight kind of thing. So the sympathetic nervous system is more like the fight, like the adre- like adrenaline and fight or flight is kind of like, I think the easiest way to think about that. But your adrenaline said rush when something happens. Adrenaline. Yeah, um, exactly. And doing like the hyperventilated breathing, the priming that you were just talking about before meditating or gratitude, it's like it's making you. And I think they also do like ice baths or chanting. I know like I've heard of that before. <laughs> Tony Robbins does an ice bath every I, morning too. Which I is, believe he, like, that. On all of his properties, he's got this like – it's like a tiny little uh, square pool. And it's it's just – simple. it's like probably like – I don't even know, like five feet by five feet. It's small. And it's set at a temperature that's incredibly cold. He jumps in every morning before he – it's just so interesting. You're talking about this when so I'm like cool. thinking about Tony Robbins. And he jumps in this like ice cold bath. Then he does his priming, his like hype, you know, all of that stuff. So yeah, clearly, no, sorry. clearly it works. He's he's kind of killing it. Um, yeah, <laughs> maybe I'm kind of killing. Um, they said <laughs> they said that doing these things, what from a scientific standpoint, makes you more alert and it help, allows you to draw more from that experience. It's more potent of an experience. Kind of gets your brain just like really dialed in and. Wakes and I was up. like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I'm like, maybe I'll do that in the mornings. You know, I'm gonna, gonna think about um, doing that myself. Your but yeah, you're you're gonna get a text from me tomorrow morning. I'm like, I don't like this. <laughs> I'm cold. <laughs> but I know it would help. I know I used to do that to wake up before going to work. Um, but oh, I think so. I think God. that's what I'm used to doing, like having to go to work after that. So I'm reframe, yeah. reframe the opportunity. But anyway, so the whole ex, you know not necessarily expressing gratitude, like doing these gratitude journals, but receiving gratitude. And again, I still, I'm still kind of processing that for some reason. I don't know exactly. It just wasn't something that I really thought about, but the way he described it really made sense. He's like, science has shown like literally science, like functional MRIs, like people like literally like (laughs) monitoring brain waves have shown like unanimously that it is way more powerful to consume stories of people experiencing positive things and experiencing gratitude for whatever else. Like, like literally reading those stories, watching that happen is like insanely more potent of a way to get gratitude than to just write down things you're grateful for or whatever else. And one of the things he talked about was a, um, a study of them doing this of like, people like monitoring someone watching 
another person talk about how they've been helped and how they experienced gratitude or whatever in terms of people that survived genocide, which obviously is like a crazy, mm-hmm. like heightened example than what you're probably used to experiencing every day. But like the, I mean, the results were again, unanimous. Like these people were like the areas in the prefrontal cortex lit up like their heart rate. And actually that was one of the really cool things. The experiment that he talked about was like, um, they had like people like test subjects go in and like read or like watch a story. Like they were all separate. They weren't in the same room. It was all separate different times. Like they weren't even in the same building. And they, once they were watching these things, like there were heartbeat like synchronies between these people. Like their, their heart rate was like, it like, they all like synced up separately, which I was like, that's so weird. But they all experienced this gratitude by watching other people and finding a narrative that is inspiring and meaningful to them personally, what resonates with them. So it doesn't have to necessarily be something that is like a resemblance to your life, just something that moves you. Um, and he said like, so, like doing that and just taking a piece of paper just for yourself or even a mental note, like while you're doing this, you note of the struggle, note the help that they got or whatever and what it means to you. And it has been shown again, scientifically research has shown that this is like the most effective way to experience gratitude. And it, um, it's what it's really doing is changing the state of your mind and your body. And you only have to do it for like a minute, five minutes. He says, it's like plenty. Like that's like almost overkill. Like you don't have to do it for that long, just for like a minute a day or like a minute, like three times a week, I think is what he said, which I think is crazy. He said, and this is also something I think is really interesting. Like I know like with meditation or with something like it's better if you're doing it consistently and over and over, like it gets easier and easier. But he said that this, like the, the circuits in the brain that are associated with gratitude are so incredibly like there's so much plasticity involved that like literally just doing it for a minute. It's like so increasingly like the, the circuits are so increasingly activated that I don't even know how to describe it. The way he described like it's it was an so good. exponential effect. Like, yes. Like it, the plasticity, like you don't have to put in all this time. Like you reap exponential benefits from doing it just, and I don't have to be often, but just doing it regularly um, or consistently, I guess. So I, I guess think like muscle memory. Um, he said even just the same story, like literally the same story, one that moves you and just like revisit it for a minute, a few times a week. Um, and he said that is like the most effective way to experience gratitude, which I thought again, very interesting. And, but receiving gratitude from someone else, whether they're giving it to you or you're watching someone express gratitude for something that's happened to them, it promotes you being, having pro-social behavior and helping other people and feeling socially valued. I don't know. It's, it's all kind of honestly, again, like I think it's kind of not weird, but it's just like concepts that I never really thought about. And I'm definitely going to, again, re-listen to the podcast that he did because I thought it was so interesting and just like so novel to me. About, yeah. Does he talk about, I, I didn't listen to the whole episode, but does he talk about mirror neurons at all? Like, is that anything that comes up? Like, if you don't know what mirror neurons are, basically like each of us, like when you watch a video, like say you're watching a video of a dog who hasn't seen their their army dad for like a year and then the, the guy comes home in his service uniform and the dog just goes crazy and then you start sobbing. 
because you're seeing that emotion. And so it's being reflected like that's from mirror neurons is that you're feeling the emotion Mm -hmm. that you are thinking that those other people are feeling. And that's why, um, that's why we cry during movies. And that's why we laugh during certain things is because we're picking up our mirror neurons are picking up other people's emotions. And so we are experiencing them secondhand. And I think that I would be curious to know if mirror neurons play a role in the neuroplasticity of experiencing gratitude. Like you said, when people were watching those clips and everybody's heartbeat eventually like synchronized, I wonder how much mirror neurons play a role in that. I would just be curious. Yeah. I don't remember him necessarily saying that again. I was listening at an increased speed too. Um, <laughs> That's a lot of information. It to is. It is. Well, cause I didn't, the first time around I didn't, but then the second and like, but I didn't take notes cause I was driving. Um, and it was again, lots of new stuff to me. So I was like, I really should be it's taking lot, notes yeah. um, beyond like the science of it. We'll link his um, yes. show. I hope people just go listen to it. It's, it's so, so good. I, the whole time I was like, no way. <laughs> um, I don't remember him saying that exactly. But when he was talking about some of the neural circuits and the neurochemistry, I think it was essentially maybe the same thing and maybe just like a different term. Or he was, I think it mm-hmm. very similar, if not the same concept mm-hmm. as that, because that is like so real. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I thought it was really cool. And that's something a practice that I'm going to start doing. And I do, I feel like I've unintentionally done that, just not like regularly, but I've seen or felt that gratitude when I consume a story or a video or something of someone else talking about how they were helped and how they are gr- grateful or whatever, whatever um, video where I was watching I remember just feeling just so good I was like yes like I want to go help someone or I want to go whatever because it's like it's like intoxicating almost and science has shown that it's like that, that it's doing crazy things to your brain um so yeah I don't know I think yeah, it's really it's, really it's, cool it is really cool it is interesting how and that's just what we know right like that's just what we have been able to see on the fmrn fmris and um what we are able to research thus far but who knows what we don't know you know mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about um using past experiences of your own gratitude to prime yourself for being grateful for new experiences in a second um i just want to make sure you don't have anything any more science to add before um i, I guess i, I kind of skipped over this i probably would have probably would have made things make a little bit more sense from the beginning but um basically so like i mean we know all about dopamine and serotonin we hear about all the time those are neuromodulators so chemicals that are released that change neural circuit activity in your brain but ultimately that affects your thoughts and behavior and from like a literal standpoint it allows you to lean into the things that make you feel good right and there's the one of the parts of your brain the prefrontal cortex um that you I'm sure lots of people are aware of that term. (laughs) It's the front of your brain. Um, So the medial prefrontal cortex is what in your, the part in your brain that sets context of everything in your life. The, the circuits deep in that part of your brain allow you to feel certain things. So like, think about like, and the way he talked about it, one of the examples was like an ice bath. So like, you're going to have discomfort with an ice bath because it's going to be cold. But the reason and the mindset behind doing that bath is literally what affects the chemicals that are released. So if you're doing that bath deliberately, 
and you're doing it from that mindset, you will literally have different chemicals released like dopamine, serotonin, things that are going to make you feel good. Those will be are what release. But if you're like thrown into like ice water, not consensually, <laughs> it will it's you're not going to have the same chemical release, which I thought is really cool. I mean, and he also talked about so like essentially it's a motivation desire behind doing something is what is ultimately going to affect your overall experience. So like think about like and they showed he talked about like an experiment that they that they did that like say there's a mouse running in a wheel versus a mouse trapped in a running wheel where like they don't have a choice but to run there are there was huge differences in the prefrontal cortex and like mm. that's that's a power behind motivation and desire and doing things deliberately and with like the right mindset essentially is because that prefrontal cortex has the ability to shift and it affects what happens in response to those experiences in your brain. So I thought that was pretty cool. So, I mean, he, you know, it's not necessarily easy to override some experiences. It takes some work and, you know, you can't lie to yourself you got to get real with yourself. Your brain knows you can in a way override some of these experiences if you are intentional about the mindset behind them. And that I think Mm -hmm. kind of he played, he obviously tied that more into gratitude than I did, but I thought that was pretty interesting. So I know we do talk about kind of the mindset behind doing things. And I was like, well, I mean, literally it affects the chemical chemicals released in your brain. Yeah. It reminds me of the exercise that I've done both in our zooms and that I've used on here as an example but it's like if you look for everything red in the room if I if I tell you look for everything red in the room and you go through the room and you're like okay I see this this and this and then I'm like okay now tell me everything that's green you're gonna be like well I was looking for red I don't I didn't see the green and it's what what I'm the connection that I'm making is what you look for is what you will find and what you are setting your mind up to experience is what you will experience, right? So like if you are starting to shift your mindset more from a I have to do this to I get to do this mindset or a gratitude mindset, that is what you will start to experience. And that is what um, when the rewards of your dopamine and serotonin will start to increase. And that is why you will start to pick up on more of the gratitude, more of the positivity, more of the optimism, because you are priming your brain to have those experiences Mm -hmm. because that's what you're looking for. Um, Basically, here's the thing. Evolutionary wise, evolutionarily speaking, we as human beings are, are wired to find negative And the reason that we're wired to find and look heavily for negative, it's because that was a means of survival, right? So like now think about it. 2000 years ago, you're scanning, you're scanning your environment for any threat that may be there, whether it's a bear or a lion or, you know, your um, foes from another tribe, whatever it is, evolutionary, you're scanning your environment so that you are able to pick up on those things so that you can survive if there was an attack of some sort. So we became naturally adept and attuned to looking for negativity over positivity. And so I want you to think about a time that somebody said something negative to you and how much more that stung. Like, for example, I think of like my TikTok account and sometimes I could have like literally like 3000 account 3000 comments of people saying really kind things and literally one person saying something negative and I will ruminate on the one person saying something negative sometimes because the negative 
stands out so much more than the positive, even though you know it's not true. And even though you can talk yourself and rationalize that that person's not in a good spot, like it's something that your brain kind of naturally Velcros to is like that negative. And it's because we're wired to do that. So our brain becomes a Velcro for negative experiences. It's how we have survived thus far. But in the new day and age, when we don't really need to be scanning our environment as vigilantly as we did, you know, you know, a million years ago or whatever, you know, it's like this, we are, we have to start to consciously make the decision to look for positive, to be, to be grateful instead of going to our default setting of the negativity. So our starting point, um, is evolution there's a reason why we're prone and conditioned to find the negative, but that's why a gratitude practice is important is because it is a practice, just like meditation is a practice. You're not just going to do it once and have it stick. Just like going to the gym isn't going to be a one time and it's going to stick. You have to start to do the practice so you can build the muscle. And speaking of that, this is like a complete aside that I just thought of, but when you meditate on a regular basis, there's a part of your brain that they have found that actually grows bigger and becomes harder. And it's, um, I'll have to find the research on it, but obviously it's signaling that because you're practicing meditation, there's a piece of your brain that's actually adapting and, um, evolving to a higher degree than if you don't practice meditation. So I think of it like that too. It's like, it is a practice for a reason, but you're, you're literally building pieces of your brain. You're building those neurons, you're building the neurotransmitters, you're building the connections so that in the future it becomes easier because you go into a gym and you do one squat, it's going to be really hard, but on your thousandth squat, it's going to be easy. It's going to be easy because you've done it a thousand times, you know, like, so you're doing the same thing with practice of gratitude and meditation and all of that. So like I was kind of talking about Tony Robbins before, it was kind of like actually a perfect segue, but you, when you're having experiences in life that you are genuinely finding gratitude for that you don't even have to work for, like that you're just naturally like, oh my God, this is like such an overwhelming feeling of amazing gratitude. Um, you really relish in those moments and then you bank them. Like make mental note of like how you feel in that moment and, and bank it because you can bring that moment up later because those, that memory is going to be so strong for you that you can bring that memory up later when you are trying to practice gratitude to re-experience that and apply it to the situation that you're in. That's how powerful gratitude is. So Tony Robbins says this too, is that you cannot be grateful and fearful simultaneously. Like your brain literally cannot hold space for those two things at once. So if you're ever having like fear over like somebody leaving or you losing a job or you're feeling fear over something, like how can you switch that into gratitude of like, I'm really feeling grateful for something instead of fearful because you can't hold space for those two things at once. And when you're having moments of joy to really, really let that sink in and make note of what you're seeing and you're smelling and you're hearing and finding the gratitude in that. And then all of those things will serve you when you're conjuring up feelings of gratitude during your gratitude practices. So basically you're banking gratitude. Um, it's a common thing to do during not only gratitude practices, but, uh, guided meditation with like your vision board is, um, when I walk people through a vision board meditation or visual guide, I always have them bring up gratitude first, whether it's like, what does it feel like to be walking on the beach with sun shining on you and like bare feet, like something where it would be a really amazing experience or finding a time in your life where you really did 
truly have gratitude. And for me, like a really vivid memory that I, I always bring up when I am trying to conjure up um, gratitude during my practice is the day of my wedding. And um, I have this like very specific memory of being in the in the suite with like all of the women that were in my life. We were all getting ready, but it was all the women, right? And I remember looking around the room and just being like, these are some of the most incredible women in my life. And they're all here for me today. And that is incredible. Like, that's amazing that I have been fortunate enough to have these connections and to have these people in my life that I can have a room full of women here with me experiencing that. And I always pull that moment of pure and utter gratitude up when I am about to visualize something or go into a meditation as I pull up the feeling of gratitude and how I pull up the feeling of gratitude is from that moment because it was so pure and so intense and so sincere that it's easy for me to close my eyes and to picture that and to re-engage and have that feeling again. So like I said, anytime I do a vision board visualization, like I will literally put my vision board in front of me and do a meditation in front of my vision board and I'll pull up gratitude from the moment of my wedding, but then I will apply it to the experiences I have yet to have. So like I might look at my vision board and see um, having a glass of wine in the cliffs of Santorini. And I use the gratitude that I felt for my wedding to apply it to gratitude of feeling in the moment and visualizing what that would feel like, what that moment of gratitude would feel like in a different scenario. And I use it to apply it to different things. So like even with an animal rescue situation, like where I hope to raise a million dollars at some point in my life for animal rescue, I feel what that would feel like to literally hold a giant check for a million dollars. Like, even though that's not how I plan to actually give a million dollars, but like my brain doesn't know the difference. So I use that gratitude, that moment of gratitude, and I apply it to new experiences I have yet to have because my brain cannot tell the difference between experiences I have not yet had and that I have had because I'm feeling it so deeply. Um, Gratitude in essence is powerful because it raises your frequency. That's like bottom line what gratitude does. Um, You know, like how Jess was talking about how it increases your serotonin dopamine. That's all energy. That's energy in our brain. It influences how you see things, how you perceive things, how you function. But at the very, very, very base of everything, those are molecules and molecules are energy. So um, I know I've talked about this before, but um, we are all energy and we are the energy that we carry around and we're all operating at different frequencies. So depending on how you feel that day, that's how you are operating. That's how you're vibing. Like truly, this isn't just like me being woo woo. This is scientific. So we're made up of mass. I think we can all agree that we're made up of mass, right? Like we are a bunch of atoms smashed together that make up our human experiences, our cells, our bodies, our hair, our eyesight, our brain chemistry, like it's all atoms. And so, um, atoms are mass. Mass is mostly actually like atoms are actually mostly energy with a little bit of mass. And so you get to choose the frequency that you vibe on every day. And that's, Truly, like you get to choose that and it's a practice, right? Like it's not easy to do that, but it's a practice. And I use these examples in our Zoom group one time, but I'm going to use them here too, because I think it's, it's, uh, under easy to understand in this way, but we are energy, but we cannot see energy, right? Like we can't see it, but we can feel it. Like you can feel energy. You can feel like when somebody who's really angry walks into a room, they don't even have to say anything, right? Like you can feel anger. You can feel there's something off. Um, And it's just like, 
a radio station, right? Like you can turn the dial and you can turn into all sorts of, you can tune into all sorts of uh, radio stations, right? Like you could change it to polka, you could change it to rock, you could change it to country music. All of those frequencies exist. It's about tuning, tuning the dial. Like it's literally, you're turning this dial. You can't see how the radio frequencies get into your car to turn on that music, but you're turning a dial and all of a sudden you have different music coming through your radio. That is exactly what energy is. That's all frequency. That's what we are. We're all frequency. So when you change your frequency, when you change the dial, you're changing the feedback that you're giving and receiving. And so just like I said, you can feel when somebody angry walks into a room. You can feel when somebody joyful walks into a room. Um, You can feel when you walk into a room and there's just been an argument because uh, how many of you have said I, you could cut the tension with a knife, like between these two people, there was so much chaotic energy. You could cut the tension with a knife. We've all said that we've all felt it because it's literally, you're feeling this chaotic energy bouncing off of these people. And, you know, I think of like moms who, when they, when they birth a baby, that instant love that they have, yes, it's chemicals and all of that, but that's energy. That's a frequency that's connection through energy. Um, so you can have an incredible appliance that does like a million different things, but if you don't plug it into the wall where the electricity is, it's not going to work. So you have to plug yourself into the frequency that you want to operate on. And one of the most profound ways that we can plug into the frequency that we want to operate on, that we want to attract other things that we'd like into our lives is by practicing gratitude. The energy or frequency that we operate at influences what we are able to receive what we allow ourselves to receive as well, right? Like you, somebody could be trying to hand you a wad full of money. And if your fist is closed, they can't hand it over to you. You have to open your hand. Same thing with energy. You have to open up that energy to be able to receive things. You can't receive things through a closed fist. You cannot receive things through closed energy. So when you have a gratitude practice, you're actually intentionally raising your own energy, your own frequency, your own vibes so that you can receive more of what makes you feel good. So you raise your energy and then the people and things will gravitate towards you because you carry an energy that's pleasing, that resonates with people, that allows things to migrate towards you. Gratitude can also influence your interpersonal relationships. This is like what Jess was talking about. But when you begin to live in a state of gratitude, you can begin to find things about others to be grateful for. And what I mean by this is, say you have a sister that you cannot stand, like everything about her drives you nuts. And I'm just using this as like a off the wall example. But um, say she's like an excellent baker, like say she just like makes the most like bomb cookies. And that if that's like the one thing about your sister that you can like is that she's an excellent baker, then you hang on to that. Like, so you're going to a family function and you know your sister's going to be there and you're like, oh my God, she's going to be there. And she's just like, you know, X, Y, and Z of all the things I don't like. But you're like, but I know she's going to be bringing some cookies because she always does. Then you lean into that. You would just focus on the gratitude for what you can about that person instead of all the things that you don't like. And actually your mindset about that person will start to change. And possibly how they interact with you will start to change because they're also feeding off of the energy that you are giving them. And what happens is in the world of energy and like experiencing energy, the higher energy will always win. So whoever has the stronger energy is going to basically set the tone for the space that you're holding. So if you have a very grounded, aligned, centered energy, that is going to set the tone rather than maybe her chaotic um, off the wall energy, if, or, you know, for example. Um, so if there's people that you don't like, 
find something about them that you do and then just focus on that thing that you like because it'll make your experience better and it may change the way that you guys actually interact, which may change the experiences that you have with them in the future. Also, so studies have shown that gratitude, that having a gratitude practice actually reduces inflammation because when you're grateful for things, it reduces cortisol in your body. And cortisol is one of the main hormones that is responsible for inflammation in our body. And on a very granular level of all disease that has ever existed in the entire human experience, inflammation is why those diseases happen. Inflammation is what creates every disease at the very, very core of it. And so when you have an increased level of cortisol in your body, which is responsible for inflammation, it affects how we recover. It affects how we sleep. It affects how we metabolize. It affects everything in our body and it causes disease in the long term. So at the root of all disease, inflammation, and then tissue damage. Okay. So when we reduce our cortisol, we reduce our inflammation and we become healthier. So it has been shown in science that when you have a gratitude practice, you actually decrease the levels of cortisol in your body. And then we cannot talk about gratitude without talking about its cousin perspective. Because it's all about perspective at the end of the day. What I want to say is I got this from Gary Vee. He was very, um, I was watching a video from him one day and he said, you cannot talk about gratitude without talking about perspective. And I was like, you know, he's very, very right because my perspective is just different than Jess's perspective, is different than the Prince of Nairobi's experience of life, <laughs> is different than, you know, the the uh, the kid in India who lives in the slums, right? Like everybody's perspective is going to be 100% different because it's your lived experiences. So when you have a hard time being grateful for something, you look at perspective. You know, how many people in this world don't have access to clean water? Do you have access to clean water? I bet you do. Can you afford clean water? I bet you can. You know, you're light years ahead of like half the world population. And I'm not even being facetious. Like if you have to get that granular to find things to be grateful about, then you get that granular. Because comparison can be the greatest thief of joy, but it can also be a powerful tool that we use because, hey, I've got it pretty damn good. I can pay my bills. I've got a nice relationship. I drive a nice car. Like there's a lot of people in the world that can't say that. And it makes me think of this meme. Uh, I should try to find it, but it's like a series, it's like a cartoon series kind of. And it's this guy, it starts off with like a guy and he's driving a car and he looks over and he sees this guy driving a sports car. And he's like, oh, I wish I had that sports car. And the guy that's driving a sports car looks up and he sees somebody driving a private jet. And he's like, oh, I wish I had that private jet. And then it, it takes like the perspective of like somebody who's on a bike looking at the first guy who's just driving a regular car being like, oh, I wish I had that car. And then there's somebody who's in a wheelchair looking at the bike who says like, I just wish I had legs to to ride a bike, you know? So it's like all perspective of like, it's all based on what you can be grateful for and what you choose to be grateful for. And maybe you don't have your dream house, like your favorite influencer, but maybe you have a sweet little garden that your family grows veggies in and you can feed your family dinner every night. And maybe you don't have a million dollar business yet, but you get to be your own boss. And maybe you weren't able to take your dream vacation this year to the Maldives, but you were able to do a mini getaway with your family to the coast somewhere and experience that with them that you wouldn't have ever had otherwise. It's like, it's all perspective and it's all what you choose to focus on. 
And you can choose to focus on all of the lack and the things that you don't have, or you can choose to focus on all the things that you do have that a lot of people don't get the joy to experience. And I have to remind myself that a lot lately, just like with the business and feeling like I'm sometimes struggling with certain aspects of it. It's like, you know, in all actuality, all the problems I have are good problems to have, like, because it means that I'm, that I have a business, right? A lot of people haven't even been able to step into their business yet. And all of the problems that I have to navigate, are they really problems? I don't know. That's all perspective. And so when we really break down everything into perspective, you can find a lot of gratitude in that. And something else that Gary V does, he's like, I know this is super morbid. He's like, but you want to know what my daily practice is? He goes, it's kind of funny, but it's like, he, he acknowledges it's really morbid. He goes, I pretend that all the people I care about most in my life died in a car accident. Like he's like, and I picture my life, what that would be like without them and how that would radically change my life. And then he says, and then I bring myself back to the reality that they haven't died in a car accident. And I find so much gratitude in the fact that I have them. So imagine your life without the things that make you happy or make you fulfilled, or maybe you don't even realize that they make you fulfilled. Like, look at your dog right now. Like, what if your dog wasn't there? Wouldn't that make you sad? Like, be grateful for your dog. What if you, you know, maybe your car is a hunk of junk, but like it gets you from point A to point B. If you didn't have your car tomorrow, how much harder would your life be? Like, be grateful for that hunk of junk in the driveway. If you, you know, didn't have, maybe you don't have like, the designer shoes or something that you want, but do you have shoes? That's more than most people, most kids in Africa have who are walking around in plastic water bottles that are fashioned into shoes. You know, like I'm not saying that our, your struggle isn't valid because it's not as hard as somebody else's struggle, but it is perspective. And it is just saying, you know what, maybe I don't have what I want yet, but I can certainly be grateful for where I am because frankly, I'm a lot better off than a lot of people. And I need to recognize that and be grateful for it, you know, ultimately. And this isn't like supposed to be like a schooling session. It's just a reminder. It's simply like, oh yeah, you know what? There are kids in Flint, Michigan right now that do not have clean water, that were literally poisoned because there was junk in the water because they do not have clean drink. Like two, there, there are cities in the United States of America that do not have access to clean drinking water. How messed up is that? But most of us have access to that or can have the resources to go buy your bottles of water. You know, can you go to your local grocery store right now and get a bunch of fresh fruits and vegetables? Even Maybe you don't like fresh fruits and vegetables, but can you go get them? Yeah, you probably could. Are there cities in the United States of America that are food deserts where they literally cannot find a cucumber to save their life? Yeah, there are people that don't have access to fresh food like that. Are you able to fill your gas tank even half of the way? Great. There's a single mom out there who hasn't been able to fill her gas tank for the last three weeks. You know, like it's all perspective and we really have to get to the level where we say, yeah, you know, it's not that bad. I'm actually really grateful for what I am able to do and breaking things down in that manner because there's going to be times in your life where things get really hard and it's, it's going to be hard to find the gratitude in it, but every situation there can be good that comes out of it. There is silver lining to every situation, you know, every single situation. I don't care how bad it seems. Every single situation, there is something good that can come out of it if you have the right perspective and if you have the right mindset to find something. It's not going to make it less painful. It's not going to make it less 
desirable to experience, but there is always a lesson and there is always something, a silver lining of sorts. And so practice gratitude. You have to practice gratitude because without it, everything is just going to seem dismal, you know? And I'm not saying like blind optimism, but gratitude, you know, sincere gratitude. And this is the last thing I'll say about gratitude. I actually just like two days ago was driving down um, the road. I pulled over uh, for a cup of coffee and I was in the um, parking lot. I was waiting and I saw this car go by and on the side of it, it was like those big magnets, you know, you can stick to your car. And it said, um, in need of kidney have been waiting nine years with a number. This person is so desperate for a kidney, something we all walk around with. Don't even think about our kidneys and what they do for us. This person is so desperate for a kidney that they have it plastered on their car everywhere that they go in hopes that somebody might be a match to give them a kidney. And in that moment, I saw this car drive by. I literally gave thanks to my kidneys. I literally thought in my head, I am grateful for my kidneys because they work. Because I don't have to worry about dialysis or kidney failure or death because my kidneys don't work. That's perspective. That shocked me to my core in a way that it was like, I needed that. I needed to see that because I've had a lot of stuff go on the last couple of weeks where I felt just so discombobulated and topsy-turvy and um, ungrounded. And it was like, what can you be grateful for today? I have kidneys that work. That's pretty amazing because that person doesn't. And I guess I, I guarantee her life, his or her life is exponentially harder because they don't have kidneys that work. Because I have also seen dialysis patients and how awful that is to go through. So it's like, do you, you can't find anything today. Do you have kidneys that work? Do you have a heart that works? You know, do you have two arms? Can you grab things? Are you able to walk? You know how many people are in wheelchairs that can't walk? You know, like, seeing the, the car go by with the kidney thing, it was just like, wow, that's perspective. And so, yeah, that's just like what I want to offer is it's, you can find gratitude, truly. It's like about looking for the red or the green in the room. You just have to look for gratitude and there it is. And like Jess said, it's not as simple as just writing down what you're grateful for at the end of the day. It's like, you have to close your eyes and conjure up the feeling of gratitude. You have to like actually pull that feeling up and experiences, experience that that feeling of gratitude over again, it's it's more than just writing it out. You know, I could write the alphabet. It doesn't mean anything. It's the feeling and the intent and the meaning behind it. So if you're going to do a gratitude practice, make sure that you are leaning into the feeling of gratitude. And if that means, you know, you're grateful for your kidneys today and maybe you're like, I can't really, I just don't feel grateful for my kidneys. Like, I don't really know how to feel that feeling. Then you pull up a feeling of a time in your life where you were so grateful and you apply it to the new thing. And that's how you practice gratitude. So I hope that we were able to remind you to be grateful for where you are. And that doesn't mean that you can't be inspired by where you want to be. But you have to start with gratitude and where you are. Yeah. Do you have anything to add to gratitude, Jess? No. no? I think that's a perfect mic drop moment right there. What I'll remind you guys about before we depart 
is um, our Patreon is $5 a month to help support Jess and I. And we're doing our next Patreon July 27th on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Central. We're going to be workshopping limited beliefs. And by Tuesday, I will post... I will post something on our website, like a worksheet that you can print off and do like a follow along. You can either look at it beforehand or just wait till we do the Zoom. Um, But we'll workshop some stuff like that. And I think it'll be helpful to have at least a little mini workbook. It's literally going to be like a page or two long. I'm not going to go super crazy with it. Yeah, just a little structure is all. It will be a tool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'll remind you guys of that on our story when I get it posted. Um, Otherwise, um, Bali... Rooms are still open. If you guys were interested in Bali, October 21st through the 26th, I believe there's still four rooms open for booking. Um, You can contact luxury underscore retreats underscore. Um, Kayla is the one who's booking the trip and is taking care of all the logistics. Literally, all you have to do is show up at the airport and everything else is planned. I'm looking forward to that. Um, Me too. Anything I think else? that's it, though. I think that's it. You guys, if you're not already following us, we're at the Dropouts FM, like FM Radio, on Instagram. Mm-hmm. We also have a Gmail with the same handle, but we typically respond to DMs on Instagram a lot faster. But we'd love to chat with you guys, and hopefully we'll see you guys on Wednesday for all the Patreon Zoom. I'm really excited for it. Yeah, I'm excited, too. And then our next episode, obviously, we drop new episodes every Sunday at 9 a.m., most of the time, <laughs> unless, Life unless happens. I forget that I needed to edit. Yeah, the last one I was like, ah, it's like nine and I haven't, I totally forgot, I forgot to edit to. our episodes. So that was my bad. Mine as well. Um, but yeah, our new episodes typically drop at 9 a.m. on every Sunday. Um, and our next episode, I believe we're going to be talking about living in a mindset of service, which goes really nicely with gratitude because when you change from wanting things from people to serving people, you will find you get much more out of life. And it is a mindset that Jess and I have both been living in for a while and we have found exponential benefits to it. So um, anyways, Mm -hmm. we'll chat about that more next week and we'll see you next week for episode 13. Yeah. We'll see you later. See you later. Goodbye.